Hello and welcome to H&B Conversations with Cosmo and Rivka Panzetta. All right, man, nailed it. I know, right? That was good. I don't know, what's, which podcast is this? Like what number? 11. I mean, it's, oh my, it's, it only took me 11 well, times. Well, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so hey everybody, uh, welcome back and I uh, hope you've had a great week and are having a great weekend. And uh, so Rivka's going to say hello now. I am saying hello in... Uh, within the Navajo language. It's from the southwestern part of the United States by the Navajo peoples. And you say, hello, you say, yatahe. 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 Yeah, it's like Y-A-H-T-A-H, hey. Yatahe. Okay. So. Yatahe. Yatahe. Hello. All right, well, hey, we're back. And uh, so we have, Antonio's got some questions in the spinner wheel for us. Spin that baby. I got like quiet. <laughs> what? I I said spin that baby. <laughs> it got quiet. Uh, sorry, I was getting my headphones off so I don't hear a double. All right. Um, <clears throat> which book outside the Bible have you read that you would that you feel would benefit most people seeking to live faithful lives? Oh, that's easy for me. I would. I'm say, afraid we're going to give the same answer. Go ahead. Okay, for me, it's the Mark of the Lion. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, by Francis River, Francis it, Rivers. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a trilogy uh, mm-hmm. by Francis Rivers called Mark of the Lion, and uh, yeah, it's about a a Jewish slave girl that was taken into captivity, and she lives in Rome, and John's there, and she has interactions with John, and she's a Jewish girl, and she becomes a believer. And it's her walk of faith through being in slavery and falling in love and and uh, just just there's a, and there's a lot of different characters. But I really I felt like in my faith I grew because she completely inspired me to to be more faithful and to stop being whiny, to stop feeling so sorry for myself, to persevere through my own discomfort and endeavor to be who god was calling yeah you to this be. is it the story is it, it's of a a girl who um is, don't give too much away though yeah but she she's a jewish girl who when in in the year 70 when jerusalem is uh destroyed um she's taken into slavery and her parents are have died and and uh and so now she becomes a, a, a roman slave i feel like i said all this <laughs> just say I feel like that's what I just said about her. I may not have been listening closely. <laughs> it's possible. Is that po- you were looking at me the whole time? I was, but my brain was thinking about a different book. Oh, well then mention you the other the book. book. Don't just repeat everything I'm saying. Okay. So that no, but anyway, so but learning to live like when you when we start to walk around going uh you know, it kind of lost in our our moments of self-pity or it's very difficult for me and and look it doesn't mean you can't have moments where you're not looking and going i'm really struggling right now and that the lord doesn't see you right where you're at no she struggles and uh but but yeah when you she see someone but she doesn't allow that, well she struggles but she doesn't allow her struggle to stop her right and a lot of times our struggles can stop us right you know it yeah too much i would now mine so so I, uh, if I were to recommend a book outside of the Bible, um, now the the book the the set that Rivka mentioned is the Mark of the Lion. Uh, it's a three three 
six-part series, and it's by Francine it's a work Rivers. of by Francine Rivers. It's a work of fiction, um, but but, it, but it's she rooted does, in a lot of yeah. Historical she does research. all her homework historically. The timeline, mm-hmm. who would have been there, all of that, those yeah. are all correct, and the things that were happening culturally and all of that is all correct yeah probably one of the more <clears throat> formative books for me um was actually a book i read in college it's out of print but it can still be purchased on uh, on amazon uh is a book called jesus and power jesus and power by david Pryor, um spelled just like prior p-r-i-o-r and um and it it was it was transformative for me. It was a revolutionary book for me that that deals with um, kind of looking at Yeshua, looking at Jesus through the scriptures, and um, and kind of compared to all the stuff that gets m- that he gets muddled into in our power structures. Uh, so there's a chapter on Jesus and money. There's a chapter on Jesus and politics. There's a chapter on Jesus and these all these different th- power structures in our society, and uh, and it's oh man, it was it was such a foundational, transformative book for me um, that uh, I always always recommend. So yeah, those are the two books. I, I th- that's the book I would recommend. Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> my my throat keeps doing that thing. All right. All right. The next question is, um, you've been given the opportunity to spend a day with your 16-year-old self. What would you do with them, and what things would you like to say and discuss with him and her? Hmm. 16-year-old Johnny. I don't think there's anything I could say to 16-year-old Rivka. <laughs> I don't, I mean, unless she knew it was me. Also, what would you do? What? What would you do? What would I do with 16-year-old me? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I would want her to know I'm I'm 48 or four. Am I 49? You're 49 now. I'm 49. I would want her to know I was 49-year-old me because, honestly, I know myself. And if somebody, just some 49-year-old came over to me and was like, look, let me tell you about the mistakes that you're going to make and blah, blah, blah. I think a lot of older people try to do that with younger people. And younger people don't listen. And I don't think I was exceptionally wise as a 16-year-old. But uh, so I would let her know that it was me. And then I would want to spend the day, I was really happy. I was really happy when I was 16. So I'd want to spend the day doing things that I like to do at 16 and just having fun and freely being myself. And then if we had some serious conversations, I would just say, you know, you don't, I never, I never worried about the future, but um, I, I would say to do more for and when you're growing up and you get married and all of that, the things they're going to go through once you're an adult in life, um, to make sure that you do a little more for yourself instead of just for everyone else, because you can lose yourself. And I mean by that, like you become invisible where everyone else is happy to take and happy to learn from and wants your time and wants all this from you and you're giving so much on to everyone else that you don't 
you 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 lose who you are and I, do, I wouldn't want that to happen to 16 year old me you know and I would tell her to go to Germany with her dad for crying out loud I would be like girl the boy will be here when you get back do not give up an opportunity to go to Europe with your dad because of this stupid boy not that he was stupid but like don't do that because I did that and I've never gone to that part of Europe because I skipped that trip I would be like don't be that dumb yeah and I, so I get one day, Antonio, one day? Yeah. Um, a day. Um, you know, I would, uh, I would take me to a baseball game. And I would talk to me a lot. <laughs> um, you think he'd listen to you? Well, that's what I'd keep having to tell me because I know. Would you tell them it was you? Yeah, of course. I know that 16. So, so here was the thing at 16 or at 20 or 25, or 30. There were things that I could recognize conceptually. Things that if someone said to me that I would not argue with them, I would agree with them. Thinking I understood what they were saying. And I'd go, oh, yeah, totally. Oh, okay. I would take good advice. I would take it. I wouldn't reject it. But on one level, because I think I understand it, I wouldn't fully grasp it. Does that make sense? Like like someone tells you something and you go, and you think you know what they're saying. Like, it's, like when people say, when you're married, you just need to compromise. Right. And you think, oh, yeah, no, yeah. Who's going to disagree or with that? Or when people tell you, like, you tell young people, look, marriage is really hard. And they're like, yeah, I know. I know. Right? But I think that, you know, it's like, it's good because iron sharpens iron. They have no idea what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah. It's, um, <clears throat> and, and so I, the things that I would, you know, I would, what would I talk to me about? Um, you know, uh, there's, there's so, you know, at 16, um, I, you know, I love the Lord. I was, I was pursuing the Lord. Um, and, 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 uh, and still, you know, there's so much growth, you, you know, that you, you had to, that you have to certain, see, here's the problem. The problem is, is that so much of what we learn for some of us, we can understand conceptually, but we don't get it till we walk it, right? So it's like you can watch instructional videos on hitting a baseball, but till you get out there and you begin to figure out the dynamics of it, it's But you knowing you and you right. having already been through all of that, you can say, okay, look, kid, yeah. so here's the thing. I think you're great, and you're making a lot of great choices. I know you think you know. But, but you don't let me, know what you Let me tell you, know. you, let me course correct you in these areas so that the trajectory that 16-year-old you is on is, 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 goes in a better direction. Right, because the thing that sometimes you wish you wish that you could go and, and, and go back. Like for me, I go back to um, – I, I, there are times I wish I could take me now and be in younger me in 22 year old me, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and with the, at least the amount of wisdom I've gained since then, 
to be able to avert some of the mistakes that that were the source of that wisdom, to learn the things, to gain the wisdom without having to cause the pain. Much Is there like anything that. you would change? If you could change something, if you could change something, it doesn't have to just be one thing, but if you could change something, what would you change? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's, I don't, I don't, um, the things I would change were not. I would change the the small some of the small decisions, not the big ones. Mm-hmm. It would be the small ways of interacting. It would be the things. Honestly, you know, it's the so sp- no choices that you made that you think I would go to the same school. I would go to the same next school. I would marry you. Mm-hmm. I would. Um, I look at when we went to Napa, I look at that and see the things that I learned from that. I, I don't know to, to change it, to, to change it is to, to change you is to change me. And there are un, unforeseen consequences with that. So sure. the question I have, the things that I would change are the things that I wish I'd never said, hmm. the things that I wish I had, <clears throat> that I had, um, done um differently within re- relationally um so that's 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 more i wish there are certain things i would have gotten earlier while i was young cuz there were things i thought i knew and i knew them on a cognitive le- level but i didn't know them on a wisdom level sure that takes life experience and adversity yeah so so um yeah, I mean, I, I uh, yeah, I don't know. I that's that, it's such a. It, it, I know that's a. There's a. It's a meaningful question. It's a, it's a, it's a big question. I you know because you would tell yourself to take in, you know, like love your love, you know, like wrecking, you know what I, you know, you'd want to you get a chance to see your parents again, um, and and to talk to your dad again. You know, those are the things. But but when you're when I'm 16, I know it, and I'm not going to have them forever. I already know that. Hey, mm-hmm. take in. You know, when I was a little kid, my parents were like, you know, we won't always be here. You know, and you know that that was always there to that understanding of appreciate what you have while you have it, because once it's gone, you can't get it back. There's that. Um, but I I knew that. So telling me that wouldn't doesn't matter how sincerely I tell me there's a there's a certain thing that I'm not going to get till I get it if that makes any sense yeah 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 Yeah. all right next question is what is your favorite silver dollar city ride and why (laughs) no that's a stupid I mean not to be okay Emma it was was Emma's question I'm up, but like, let's go to another question. Well, we can answer the question. It'd take two seconds to answer. Okay. Silver Dollar City, first of all, is a great theme park in Southwest Missouri. Is I said is didn't I? It is. Is what I. It is. Oh, it's a great theme park. It's our favorite theme park. Uh, It's in Branson. Um, It's actually Silver Dollar City. It's not actually. It's anyway. um, 
I boy, my favorite ride. My though. favorite ride is the one that we went on this summer, last summer, with all of our children. That was fun. And and, and <clears throat> all of our children, including Emma, I, I, Kelly couldn't be there, but they weren't married yet, so technically she yeah, wasn't going on it anyway. She, she wouldn't have like gone rides. on it anyways. But it's not scary at all. It's like river rafting, and it was so fun, and we got to all be on the same there like inner tube because yeah. there was just eight or two. Uh, there was a, uh, and there wasn't that many people there. And so we got to go on it again and again, and it was so fun, and we got wet. And I don't think as a family we had laughed that hard yeah. in a long, long time. And I could look around the raft, and I could see each one of my kids, and we were just really having such a blast. And that's my favorite one. Yeah, that's a fun one. Um, um, you like roller, I like coasters. roller coasters. Yeah. I like all the roller coasters. But I, I think, uh, what's the one that I like the most? Anyway, it doesn't really matter. No. But it's the outlaw <laughs> run. I would say outlaw run was the one that I liked the most. But, uh, it, you know. Okay, yeah. give us a good question, Antonio Ariel. Ouch. You just no hurt. offense, oh, Emma. Just hurt Emma. <laughs> Nobody can hear you, Emma. Nobody um, can they can you. hear no. a little no, bit. No, they cannot. All right. Um, <laughs> how should success be measured? And by that measurement, who is the most successful person you know? Oof. Okay, hold on. Got a process now. We've gone, to, we've to, had all these like really short. I don't want to say shallow, but you know what I mean. Like somewhat. They're not like these deep questions. Well, talking to you, sixteen-year-old you, isn't necessarily a shallow question. Yeah. Um, but say the question again. There's a two-parter here. I think we should uh, attack one. How part. should success be measured? And then the second part is by that measurement, who is the most successful person you know? It's really hard. Because, I mean, that's really, really, really hard. I know that for the most part, I feel like a failure a lot of the time. Like I don't look at my life, and other than when I look at my children, I'm really proud of my children. I don't look at my life and I'm like, I'm the picture of success. But I know that every step of my life, I've obeyed the Lord. Whatever he's called me to do, asked me to do, I've done. So in that regard, that's success. But from my worldly eyes my fleshly eyes, it doesn't look like success because it doesn't look big. Like anyone can look at it and be like, wow. You right. know what's what I mean? What's the measure? What's the measure of success? What, what, when I you... think the, the world would say if you have comfort, luxury, if you in money, um, if you're well-respected, position, title, those are all things that measure respect and achievement. Say all those again. Okay. <clears throat> now if I can remember them. Um, comfort, pleasure, like, you know, like people, like if, like if you go in, in your friends with somebody and they have all this stuff because they're really, really wealthy, you don't look at them and think, what a failure. Mm -hmm. You know, we naturally look at people with, you know, big houses and grown-up, toys in the sense of like extra vehicles and um and if they have if they're comfortable and they have nice things they have money they have uh they have titles influence influence um we from a worldly perspective we see that as and i naturally do see that as success someone has a great title someone has a ton of people in their church or a bigger building or nicer house or nice cars. I mean, we don't even have a car. 
<laughs> we have an old van that we keep getting fixed up, you know? So I think in that regard, like I naturally visually see that as success. Right. However, you know who doesn't fit any of that? Right. Who? Who? Jesus. Right. <laughs> like none of those. Right. So then the measure of success is, um, I would say the measure of success is then, are you doing and being who the Lord has called you to be? Because on one, in one regard, we see all of that and we see that as success and we're like, wow. But then at the same time, <clears throat> when you have had historically these poor gurus, let's say, these people that have come out of the woodwork and they're for the poor, like kind of, you know, Jesus was in his time. And they, they end up with these huge followings because they're teaching us it's not about that. It's not about all those things. It's about internal peace. It's about, for us, it's about relationship with the Lord and serving him and, um, and being surrounded by the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit at all times. And when you meet somebody that has that, let's say they have nothing else, but they have this tremendous peace and they have done things that you would never do because you're like, oh, like I can't do that. You know, we have so much respect for them. Right. Someone who is, is in one sense, comfortable in their own skin, mm -hmm. right? That, um, Someone who can say, like Paul says, look, I know the secret. I know what it is to be success, successful, and it's this, that whether I have, I know what it is to have a lot, and I know what it is to have almost nothing, and I'm good either way. I can do all things through Messiah mm -hmm. who gives me strength. That, that, that kind of, of inner peace, that lack of anxiety, that lack of... That, that knowing knowing who you are in the Lord and knowing his voice and knowing that he says, success is if he says, well done. Right. Daily. And success no matter how much we have worldly-wise, it doesn't mean that you know, we're a success. I think back to the, you know, a couple weeks ago you mentioned um, that, you know, one of the people you'd want to meet was Elijah, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and here's someone who, we still talk about him, name recognition. Sure. Um, but the, the, there, there comes the point where, and he's here, here. You know, we we think things like, man, Lord, if you would just, if I could see fire come down from heaven like in Elijah's day, that would be success, right? But he saw fire come down from heaven, and and the very people that he was trying to reach so that they would respond to the call to repent rejected it, like. Ahab the king rejected it. And so at that point, and, and, and Jezebel threatens him, and so then he goes and runs off to a cave and says, I wish I were dead because mm -hmm. this is all pointless. This is all futile. What's the point? And, and so we would look at, at that and say, and he looked at that and said, I haven't succeeded. Right. Um, <clears throat> so, so the measure of success really does come down to um, it's, it, it's not a, I think, I think if I met somebody, a man or a woman and they were this really, truly humble soul who loved the Lord with all their heart, poured into their children, loved their children to where their children wouldn't give them praise because that's what you're supposed to do, but would give them praise because they 
recognized that their parents would give up anything to help them to be there for them and poured into them. You know, if you were the kind of person, if I met the kind of person who was that, and then, and then if I met a man who was like really truly loved his wife and didn't define his masculinity by how tough he was and how much he was served by his wife, but by how humble and loving he was and how much he served his wife. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, and like you said, like being confident in who they are, I think I, w- I would say that from the eyes of the Lord, like he's successful. Right. He has been, he, he is, he's done, he's done so, like he's walking out his faith to his family. That is his first calling because that's who God has given him or her, you know, or whatever, whatever the Lord has us do. It doesn't have to be a, like if, if you have a family, it needs to be your family for sure. Right. But if you don't have a family, if you don't have a family, then it's it's about just really walking in who God has called you to be. But that humility has to always be there. I remember when we were, um, you know, I've traveled around a lot in my life, and I've met a lot of different ministers. And there are the ministers who they look and seem very successful, and their hair is slicked back, and they have all the jewelry, and they're very, very they have this wonderful dynamic about them and they're very charismatic and all of these things. But, but you can tell though, like that's just not who Jesus would be. And so I don't sit there and, 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 um, judge them necessarily. I just sit there and, and you, I, I don't look at that and go, wow, I want to be that. Well, the thing you've always said is who are they when no one's looking? Right. Yeah. That's what you've always said. You would see things and you're like, I like, would be. I, would be I don't in, know. I don't know who they are. Well, right. Well, I would be in a church, and and you'd have this pastor up at the front or a guest speaker, and they're going on and they're preaching so powerful, and everyone's like, "Oh my gosh," or whatever. And for me, I look at them and I'm like, "Those are all really great words, but who are you really? Who does the Lord see when He looks deep into your heart? That's the person that I want ministering to me." And it means. You know, I, I think so. So someone that I if like if I were to name a name of someone who at least from a distance is a picture at least uh, let's say of ministry success. Okay, so since that's my that's where we, where our lives are, one of the people that I've always looked up to was uh, Jack Hayford, who passed away this year. Mm-hmm. And um, several <clears throat> years ago, um, I got to go to. Uh, spend a week with a group of other uh, Messianic rabbis who uh, went through his pastoral school of nurture, but he, and uh, it was, I remember sitting there and uh, here's a guy who's written all these books. Um, and as he taught, there was, there was such an authentic humility. I mean, it was a, it was, there was this clear recognition that this man knew the presence of the Lord. Here he had this massive congregation, had one of the first what you'd call mega churches mm-hmm. in in the United States. Um, and yet, um, you know, he had a university, spoke all over the world, people knew him. Um, and he had, it was just a genuine, genuine, beautiful humility. He didn't overstate 
He didn't overstate things like like he was the foremost authority on anything. There was, um, the and and you knew that this guy knew he can because I thought I remember thinking, thinking I haven't accomplished anything of note. No one outside of the small circle. If you don't know me, you don't know of me. Right, that's the deal. The only people that know me are the people that know me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have any. I've not accomplished anything. Uh, of and here's a man who has name recognition, at least within Pentecostal circles, has is widely known, has written and accomplished so much, and yet, um, I, I thought I think I struggle with pride more than he does. Um, and I have not, and he has so much to be proud of, and I have not done anything noteworthy. And I, I thought uh, the, the, the thing that I could recognize was here was someone who had lived in the presence of the Lord with such intimacy that, that um, if you're intimately living in the presence of the Lord, how can you become proud? Because you're encountering him and you're encountering all that he is or even a fraction you're encountering part of uh, who the lord is so that you you walk in this genuine recognition of that that to me so then i went to the end of the week we got to he had us over to his house for dinner and he he lived in this house for probably i don't know 35 40 years and raised his children in this house and it wasn't i mean it's southern california and so considering southern california is a nice home but it wasn't anything opulent. It wasn't anything, um, you know, that was spectacular. It was very humble and modest. Um, he, and so, so to me, this was a person whose family, um, you know, as far as I could see, again, it's from the, you know, they're they're serving the Lord, walking with the Lord, and um, and uh, and he stayed faithful to the Lord till his last day. Again, from everything that I can see. And, and, um, and so that, that life well lived, um, but see, here's the thing. Someone led him to the Lord. You know what I mean? There's, there are people that, that have lived in obscurity. Is greatness defined by, well, now everybody knows my name because I I can speak of him because I know who he is, but how many people do I not know who they are and yet have lived in faithfulness but the lord knows who they are and he sees them and he says well done good and faithful servant and no one you know when when i breathe my last books won't be written about me is that the picture of success whether there's books put up about me or plaques put up about me or anything like that uh it certainly won't be for me (laughs) and but there are a lot of people with statues and plaques and 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 uh you know I mean, not look, not to tear down anyone's memory or anything, but a couple of years ago, um, you know, one of the more famous apologists passed away, um, and name well known. And then after he passed away, it turns out all you know there had been a lot of he was a horrible person, horrible things, a lot of corruption, a lot of things, and he had lots of name recognition. And so according to any measurable standard that most people would identify, they would say, you know, you know, when I, when I was in high school, I was one of, I was one of the four in my class listed as most likely to succeed. What does that mean? Well, they, that, that's the list of things like you listed off, you know, Mm -hmm. that's the success. 
that, that we, the world deems, and then we also do, even in the ministry world. If I get my name in a magazine, I'm in one of the circles that people, a, a, a speaker demanded, you know, that's what we deem as success. How many people follow you rather than how many people are you serve? How many, how much, how do you serve? What do the people that know you the close, the people that are closest to you, what do they right. say about you? And um, whether people realize it or not, I mean, that's the most important thing. Okay, but so you would have Jack Hayford? I, I guess I would from, a, again, from a, again, that's from a distance. I can't say he's someone that I know on any genuinely close level on a close level that I know him know him so I'm dealing with my own perception of him you see what I'm saying it's mm. it, it's it's difficult to the the measures of success that we have um are are tainted and corrupt but based on what I see you know here's someone sure. who you, I do deem him a success yeah so that's good did you name someone? Nope, not yet. That's what I was waiting for. I was waiting to see if you were done. <laughs> not just because you had a lot to say. Yeah. So I was just waiting. Um, for me, if I could talk to anybody. Wait, I think we kind of asked her this question the other day. This wasn't talk to anybody, though. That's... This wasn't. No, it says it says who is. Oh, who? No, what are you? What's the measure of success? Mm -hmm. And based on that measure, who would you say is successful? Or the most successful person you know? Oh, the most successful person right? I Isn't know. Right? Isn't that the question, Antonio? The most successful person I know. Most successful person I know. Um, I don't know. I don't, honestly, for me personally, I don't, maybe I'm too self-focused, but most of the time I'm, I'm just working on me to try and make sure that I'm who God wants me to be, that I'm not usually looking at other people. I know that like when we're in churches and stuff like that or whatever, I'm skeptical, but I think that's also being raised in ministry. You see who people are from the pulpit and then you also get a glimpse of them in the background or you know their kids. Mm -hmm. And so you know who kind of who they are in private. Right, right. And so for me, I think that's why I tend to be a little more skeptical, skeptical and a little more I would say demanding of who we're going to be because I don't want to be hypocrites. <clears throat> um, but I don't know. I mean, I knew that you would pick Jack Hayford. I think for me, I'd want to pick someone who was a woman who was trying to balance family life and career and was doing a really, really good job at it. But I don't know that any of us are, I don't know that any of us are in that place of, um, like really getting it down because we're all human and we all have issues and we all have, you know, uh, if you're a woman, whether you're in your childbearing years or you're going through menopause or, you know, we're always struggling with a lot. And so I don't know that I know of anybody that I think is actually truly successful because well, we're always, we're in a process. We're constantly in a process. Right. You know, I, if I were to clarify even... I had this thought just now that clarify even a a description of something that I consider successful or the mark of success. It would be that the people that know you best respect you most. Because often, but sometimes that goes backwards. Often you know? the people that often the people that know you best 
like people that are widely respected, if you talk to the people closest to them, sometimes you get a different picture. Well, that's true because they know them on a different level. But at the same time, sometimes the people who know you the most and are the most used to you don't see you at all. Sometimes they don't recognize. No, I'm talking about those who know you best. You know what I mean? Like, Like siblings and stuff like that? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, because if it's siblings and stuff like that, or or even sometimes parents, parents might not, and siblings like you get distorted. Well, even Jesus's siblings didn't take him that seriously, and he was li- the living God on Earth, you know. So, I mean, sometimes they can just be oblivious to who you are, and or just be jealous, like they were of Yeshua or whatever. Sure. Okay. So you know what I mean. So for me, I just I'm just really focused on me trying to do a good job and trying to raise my kids. So how do you know if you're successful? What, when you look at life and you go and you, when, when you breathe your, when you go to breathe your last, you know, what will have marked, what will make. Honestly, it's if my children rise up and say I was a blessing. Yeah. That's what I mean. The ones that are. Yeah. The ones that are closest to you, the ones that, and if it's genuine, and if they're, if because I've seen a lot of adult kids just ramble on about their parents because it's it's the it looks good, it's the right thing to do, mm-hmm. you know. Or after parents die, they're all of a sudden like they were my best friend, and they really weren't in this life. Like so, for me, it's not about um, like we've had we've had several people in our family this past year pass away, and from young to old. And, um, what I've taken away from that is I don't want to be only praised or talked about or, or valued or whatever like that after I'm dead to me, funerals and all of that, that's all fine. But for me personally, while I'm living, I want the people around me to not only be blessed by me and, and cared for by me and, um, all that, but also, um, that, uh, that, that they would, that I would be a blessing to others. I don't want to just wish I had done this for that person Mm -hmm. and wish I had done that. I want to actually do those things. And so I feel like I'm never going to be truly successful because I'm never going to be Jesus. And I'm just, I just got to keep trying and I just got to keep doing my best. And that's what all of us are doing. I mean, even Jack Hayford, I guarantee you had some insecurities yeah. and areas where he could have done better. So for me, <clears throat> for me, um, for me, I, if my children can genuinely with all their heart, look at their mother and say, you know, of course she wasn't perfect. Nobody is, but we learned from her. She was a comfort to us. She was a safe place to us that it, they could feel towards me that I tried to walk out who Jesus is. Right. That to me would be success. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'll wrap uh, Antonio gave me the, we should wrap it up and with, yeah, without, without sounding like a, like a cliche or a sermon. Um, I think though the issue is this is, is that I genuinely would view success as, becoming in character more like Yeshua in an ever-increasing way mm-hmm. so that that's what the people closest to me. It's not about perfection. It's about there being authenticity, growing in the in his likeness and his character, dying daily to, to self. That that, when I see that, when I see, when I see 
jot. It's not when I see perfection. When I'm looking at another guy and I say, this is someone I want to emulate. It's not, I'm not looking perfection. I'm looking for, is this person walking in genuine humility? Do I see, do, when I watch the way a guy treats his wife, when I see that he, that he almost um, effortlessly is humble and puts her first, like I admire that. Mm-hmm. And when I see that, um, when I see someone who doesn't have to project anything when they're just comfortable they in their own themselves. skin, that I go, man, that's what I, that's what I want. That's what I view as success, not the picture of it, the reality <clears throat> of it. And maybe my temperament, because I tend to, I tend to think other people are so much better than myself and I have negative thoughts, right? Like where I'll be like, oh, I can't do this right and I can't do that right and I stink at this and I'm, you know, I just have a lot of negative thoughts that naturally go through my head and please don't come for me on the spiritual side of things. I'm perfectly aware of what the Lord says, (laughs) what the Lord says about all of that. But my reality is I deal with those kinds of things. And so I think if I had my eye on any one person, I would begin to compete and it would become a flesh thing for me instead of just keeping my eyes on the Lord right. and comparing myself to him and living in his grace and just trying to be who he has called me to be. And saying, you know, kind of living each day saying, I just want to make you smile today, Lord. Yeah. Did I, did, am I making you smile? Are you pleased? Are you smiling at me? And uh, when you see me, it's like when your kids are, are little and they, then they goof things up. But you look at them and you see the genuineness and you smile and you're like, oh my gosh, I just love And I really hope, I mean, I will feel like a success if my children don't crush their children. Right. Like seriously, when we have grandchildren, like I know what it is. I've seen a, a world where people are crushed. And so I'm really sensitive to that. I don't. So if my children can pass on that gentleness and that kindness, of course, being firm and disciplinary and all that, because that's Jesus is all those things too. But I hope that they are able to see people and see their children and want to walk out what it is to be yeah. like Yeshua. Then, then I will truly feel like I succeeded. Right. So <clears throat> yeah, to, to wrap that up, it's interesting that the measures of success that we're tempted to measure success by, Jesus didn't fulfill any of those measures he had big crowds on occasion but the ones but even that stuck, his crowds what it, he was they, teaching about was about only, humility and, but but but, the, but they'd be there for the food you always gotta have food they were there for the food but if the food wasn't there the five thousand weren't there you know uh it's like the those that stuck through um you know it, mm-hmm. it was the son of man doesn't they have weren't any different than us. I mean, even when the little aside. kids began getting rowdy, the disciples were like, stop it, sit down, be yeah, good, stop yeah. doing that. And it was Jesus that was like, no, let them be. So he is our measure, and he's not measured by the things that the world measures. No. Nope. And so that's, is, is he pleased? All right. Well, all right. Well, um, I pray that uh, our prayers that, um, that we'll all be becoming like him on a regular basis and that we will become a success in that regard. Uh, more today than yesterday, more tomorrow than today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom, shalom. Have a beautiful day.